0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with New York City jazz pianist and Smalls Club owner Spike Wilner. We caught up with him in mid-June 2020 to talk about the coronavirus world of No Live Jazz. He spoke about his life as a musician and a club owner. It was frank and open. He just put out a new line of reissues of live music, including his own, De Grace Upon the World Thirsty for Live Music. He was born and lives in Manhattan, a New Yorker through and through. He hails from a direct line to a famous rabbinical dynasty founded by his great-great-great-grandfather, Moses, who is also a Kabbalah master and mystic. In the beginning, he was inspired to play ragtime piano at a young age after seeing a documentary on the life of Scott Joplin. Jazz is his life, and he talks about it. Enjoy.
1: I've always been a big fan. Thanks for taking the minute out today. No problem. Thank you for calling. Yeah, you bet, man. So, you know, interesting. Typically, when live albums come out, it, I mean, it, there's always this special flair that goes into a live album, but I think with the way our world is with the pandemic and everything that's going on right now, and the absence of live music, it's a little bit special. So talk to me a little bit about several angles on this, just kind of having a live album coming out now, and then kind of the idea of it, you know, th- th- coming coming out during a pandemic.
2: I think there's some background. For one thing, the, these Smalls live titles are, in a sense, reissues from our catalog. So, okay, uh, they're they're live concerts. All of everything that we do in both our catalog reflects really our attitude with our archive, which is that we record all the live shows as Smalls uh, for historical purposes. Um, but we had what was called a catalog as well, which were high end recordings of specific, excuse me, specific shows that we turned into actual albums and that's the uh, batch that you have now which was four titles that we've decided to reissue. Uh, the reason why we decided to reissue is because of the fact that we have recently gone from being a, what was the normal record label to now a not-for-profit arts foundation with the mission of supporting our venues as well as the artists that play there and uh, during this COVID pandemic uh, my wife and my baby and I left the city to stay in a small house in Pennsylvania. And I'll tell you, I listened to a lot of radio. It became something that I was aware of how important it was because I, I actually didn't spend that much time on the listening to radio. That being said, I decided that it would be a good way to bring awareness to our catalog, which has never gotten promoted in this way, but also a good way to promote the uh, foundation and what's happened, especially since the pandemic. Which is that both of our venues have been shut now more than 90 days without any insight and, uh, we've lost a lot of gigs, we all lost our staff, so we're really at this time trying to just, uh, bring supporters to the foundation and uh, p- continue to present live music, which is what we're doing. Each of these uh, new titles that, or I should say re-release titles that we're promoting are from different aspects of our history of the music, but all from great jazz artists.
1: You know, jazz has always been an art form that's been tenacious. It's always worked through adversity. I mean, A Love Supreme was released during the race riots. Bebop was invented when there weren't labels that said you got to come up with a new sound. There's always so much level of resiliency. So when we talk about recovery and all of these things, it just seems like, you know, the nature of jazz musicians is that they're not getting into this for the money, that the level of artistic creativity and tenacity is going to push through and win.
2: Uh, I agree, uh, you know, jazz is a music, American music, it's African-American culture, it's been from uh, the beginning of our century, and and you know, the funny thing with New York City is it's really been an unbroken tradition uh from, you can say, as far back as Scott Joplin's days to all the way to now, and COVID is the first time, I think, in history in New York where every club has been closed, there's been no live music whatsoever, so as a jazz community, we've been a little bit uh stunned. And shocked and, uh, a lot of guys have been in a precarious position, uh, you know, uh, economically speaking. Uh, we created, uh, a, a fund we call Get the Cat Working Again through the Smalls Live Foundation and our goal is to have a band perform live from club on our live stream every day, pay the band as if they were at a regular show and then try to raise a little money to, to pay our rent. And that's all kind of tied in as well with the, with, you know, what we're doing with the label and promoting some of those titles. But I believe that when I've seen these musicians show up at the club to play basically for an empty house, the music is so strong and the people are so, you know, the musicians are edified by the performing experience. They've missed it so much. Furthermore, we've been live streaming to our Facebook page and also to our own website. It doesn't cost to watch our live stream. You become a member of our website. And uh, we've been getting thousands of viewers from all over the world who have been just... So uh, happy and and joyful to receive this music. I really think it's a healing force. It's something very important for humanity.
1: You know, I I heard an interesting stat about this, too, that, you know, even during Prohibition, Kansas City was one of the few places that had just nothing stopped because of, you know, uh, Tom Pendergast and our history. So it was interesting to hear them say that, you know, a lot of cities had shut down because there was no booze and no no nightlife in Kansas City. This is the first time that the roaring sound of all of that kind of came to a close, but, you know, along with the rest of the world. It's our time, for New York particularly. And then, of course, we've had our,
2: you know, the, the protests, and uh, that's, you know, been a powerful kind of antecedent to the slumber of the, you know, the uh, sequestering. And then, of course, New York, it's, it's a strange time in New York, for sure. But uh, it's a dire time for the musicians who haven't made a penny in 90-plus days and many of these guys live month to month. Uh, it's hard for us as a club because the landlords are unrelenting in the rent. And so they demand we pay the rent. So we are we have to pay for April, May, June, July, months that we haven't been able to make a dime. You know, wow. there's been some help from the government, what they call the PPP loan, which we did receive. And that was uh, an eight-week Period where you could pay your employees from it, and also some of your expenses, but that's also now done. Eight weeks has gone by since I've gotten that loan. Now I've got to repay it, and we're still closed. So the challenges are very, very strong for us. Yeah. Nonetheless, yeah. nonetheless good news is that people are responding, and we have been getting support. We got a uh, one thing that happened this year that was recent, just now actually, was that Billy Joel gave us twenty-five thousand right after we closed, which was allowed us to basically finance our first month of shows. But it was a real shot in the arm for us to, uh you know, have someone of that, you know, like a famous guy like that just give us some money and say, hey, it got the ball rolling. And since then, people have been really responding. We had a nice article in the New York Times. And uh we just represent, you know, Smalls Live represents an enormous amount of musicians. You know, our archive about 4,000 musicians, 18,000 recordings. And then in our catalog, it's, it's
1: like 55 titles of HD recording. You guys have a few that we're promoting now that we're very proud of. Yeah, and I think that's the thing out of this is that there's going to be, like I was saying with the resiliency, I think there's enough love for jazz in the community, and I think that I've I've been saying this consistently for years, but especially since this pandemic started. Jazz musicians, to me, I've seen a lot of walks of life, are some of the finest specimens on the planet, and they're doing it for the right reasons. They're very raw. They're very good. And I think that's the other part of this that's interesting is I think there's going to be a financial rebound. I think jazz is going to come back, and I think we're going to learn new ways of doing some things, and you guys are always cutting edge on this. But I also think too, that there's there, the one person that told me this, Theo Hill had mentioned that you really believe that jazz musicians are in a very keen position to take what's happening now. And to funnel that into an artistic representation that's going to be profound.
2: You know, it's a, it's a deep thought. And, uh, if Theo said it, I agree with him. You know, I think, I think that's true. I think, you know, every, there's always an opportunity. You know, in our case, we just need to, uh, you know, bide our time until we can reopen and see where we stand. So, uh, we're finding new ways to do that. And, and, you know, what you said is true. Uh, and the people that love jazz, you know, they, they really love it. It's, you know, it's not about money. It's not about anything more than this amazing music that people can play together that's really just about communication more than anything else, and swinging and good feeling and real human emotion.
1: You know, you are a New Yorker through and through, and that's the interesting thing about all of this, talking about recovery. And I asked cats here in Kansas City the same thing, because Kansas City has been in this, total renaissance for a while, you know, Bobby Watson's been at UMKC, he's, right. he's made Kansas City Destination, not not a place that was a springboard in New York, which is even what we were, so I look at, like, cities like New York, and everybody wants to go to New York, I mean, cats that grew up in Australia, and yeah, Israel, and all of us, they all want to come to New York, so my question to you is, being, having such a pulse on this town, being there your whole life, Talk to me about what you think recovery is going to be like. What do you think is going to happen?
2: Oh, man, you know, uh, you can get me in a lot of trouble. So uh, I have to be careful with my what I think, um, you know, uh, at least what I say publicly. Uh, I think that we'd like to try. You know, I've been working with my managers to think about ways that we can cut our, cut our thing by half, maybe, so that you know, we're only a 75-seat club, so... There wasn't a lot of people in there to begin with, but it's a small space, so that's what's posing a health issue. So we'd just like to try and see what we can do even in a limited way. You know, we're we're willing to work with whatever can happen. As far as a general recovery in New York City, a lot of that's going to depend, in my opinion, on the tourism because I know for a fact that our our neighborhood, Greenwich Village, was a huge amount of tourists from Europe, from Asia, from Japan and Korea, from China – You know, and they all came, there are a lot of people that come for jazz. They came for that—that the cultural experience in New York, which is jazz, and they would come to Smalls. They've heard about us from worldwide, and so that's not going to be happening for a while. I don't know when the tourists will feel comfortable about flying back to New York City anytime soon. So we're going to have to rely on our local, you know, and a little bit maybe a smaller budget, or I don't know yet, but I think that, it's just going to have to be tenacious, and we're going to have to survive month after month, and I think it will come back eventually. I think you know, the other thing is humans want this. People like music and bars, and so I don't think it'll go, you know, without it. But I think it's going to take some time here, you know. I mean, it would be helpful to have some cooperation from the government just giving us some instructions, but there's not, so everyone's kind of guessing, you know. But I, in my heart, I like to believe there will be a full recovery, and I believe in humanity, and the spirit of humanity. Yeah, without a doubt. What do you like the best about your job? What you do? Well, the best thing about the uh being a jazz musician in my opinion besides playing the music itself, which is the greatest thing. If you can play the music, you're going to that you you're rewarded automatically. That's the reward. But I also like being around the people. I love the musicians themselves, you know, they're my dearest friends and brothers and sisters and uh so when I get a chance to spend time with them, it, it it's very gratifying to me, you know. And uh that's really the, the hang, as they say. You know, we used to have these great hangs of, of people, all kinds of personalities interacting and talking, conversing. And that for me was the spice of life. That's why I liked running a bar, my favorite thing. You know, I see myself in a way as a, just a bar owner. The music part is like a natural thing. You know, the jazz scene is a naturally self-regulating thing because everyone that's involved in it is intelligent and, uh, and, uh, you know, aware of each other. So it's all, From your club owner perspective, you don't need to really do much other than just let it exist unfettered, and then it'll take care of itself. It might get a little wild. It's like a bush. You have to occasionally trim it, but for the most part, just water it and it'll live on its own. Um, But uh, yeah, that's my favorite part was just being with the the people. Playing the music, of course, my number one favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. but after that, hanging.
1: So what was the first live jazz show you saw that really made you think, man, this is something I want to do?
2: Um, when I was uh, 16, I was living in St. Louis, Missouri at the time, and my mother, for my birthday, took me to a concert at the, uh, I think it was called the Fox Theater there, and it was a triple bill with uh, Count Basie and his orchestra, Count Basie himself, and then Oscar Peterson Trio was second, and then third was Ella Fitzgerald with Oscar Peterson Trio. And it was just like, I remember just being completely floored by Everything and and the best was Ella when she came out. It was just like she crushed everyone. It was really amazing. Wow. So uh, that really inspired me. Then I got to hear when I was in high school. Uh, I got to hear Maynard Ferguson's band and I got really into Maynard. Enjoyed his music, you know, like his cool big band shit. And then uh, I actually I actually got the opportunity to to tour with Maynard. So it was like kind of like a full circle for me when I was a kid to
1: musician time. I was just talking to a musician yesterday about the church of Maynard, about so many musicians that told me so many stories about, you know, when you were on the road, he would just open up and he was hysterical and had the greatest stories.
2: Um well, you know, I loved Maynard, I have to say, he was a great guy and uh I really thought he was a very kind guy and I thought he was also just like a remarkable amount of energy. You know, I did a tour with him, we went to Europe, Eastern Europe and Germany and, you know, I was a in my twenties, but uh man, I was exhausted. And he would just be every show, just so on. It was really quite a inspiration. To see it, and he was an older guy at that time. Yeah. So uh
1: I'm glad. I'm really glad. i grateful. I've had that experience.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So when we do get back to everything being full on, you know, when mm-hmm. COVID nineteen calms down, we get a vaccine. The world does what we don't know exactly it's going to do. But when it heals and gets to that point. And both musicians and fans and crowds come back. What do you hope we realize about this time away from music? What, what collective revelations, realizations do you hope we come to? Music is valuable.
2: Art is a valuable thing. They talk about essential workers, but I believe musicians and artists are just as essential, and, and maybe people disagree with that. But people need this music, you know, and they need to play the music. And, uh, you know, I can say that it just takes away all the political bullshit for a second when you can't really play or hang with those people. And then when it comes back, it feels so, uh, you're so inspired by it. It's just a love. It's pure love. So, in a way, it's almost like religion. It's like something that we shouldn't commercialize but just cherish as part of the human experience, which is just to feel love, to feel joy, to feel uh, emotions that are adult emotions, you know. And that's all represented in that music. It's not something you can really monetize, although people are going to do it.
1: Everyone has a perception or a version of you, your family, your friends, your fans. But you're the one living your life. Who do you think you are?
2: Me, I think my, you know, I'm a piano player and uh lifetime New Yorker and a father and a husband. And, a, um, you know, I run a, a bar. I know how to do that pretty well. And uh, I know how to uh, network with all the musicians that play jazz and try to be as compassionate for each of them as possible. And even though uh, a lot of these guys might get pissed at me, I'm really trying to do the best I can. At the end of the day, I guess I really see myself as a piano player. But
1: for now, i got to do all this other stuff, too. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, and you probably will respect this. I I used to always ask musicians, you know, how how is jazz doing? And I and I didn't ask it in relationship to that stupid quote about jazz. Is that it was just, you know, every year since 2011, I've always just kind of randomly asked musicians, how strong is it? And I would always get these interpretations. Whether educational facilities are doing really well, there's a lot of innovation. There's a y- lot of young cats. There's this. There's that. I know now after COVID, I never have to ask that question ever again. Every musician that I've asked about things that happened, you know, related to this and what's been canceled is staggering for one person, let yeah. alone a club,
0: let alone right. a city, let alone a mm-hmm. country. It's
1: unreal. That's
2: right. It, it is. is. It's a worldwide uh, disaster and that makes you uh, kind of reevaluate your life and who you are and what you stand for. And, uh, Joe, it's a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and club owners in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Spike for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.